What is up, fantasy people? You are back with the True North Fantasy Pod presented by Monkey Knife Fight. We are, of course, proud members of the Fantasy Points Media Group. I'm Trav. As always, with me co-hosting and West Coasting is Tyrell McLaughlin. What's going on, dude? Same old, same old. Yeah, hockey is uh, finally behind us here. Basketball is almost done, so viewers and listeners can have our undivided Canadian attention pretty soon here. Uh, yes, man. Yeah, doing great tonight. Excited. Absolutely. Me too, man. We're, we're coming into a weekend. We got some good weather going on. It's not crazy, crazy hot out here. And I am super excited for tonight's guest, Ty. And I'm not going to waste any more time getting into it. This man is the founder of Going For Two, which is amazing. And an OG contributor for Fantasy Pros, among other things that he does within the fantasy community, because he does a lot of giving back, charity tournaments, all sorts of stuff. And that would be Jeff Lambert. You can find him on Twitter at Jeff. That's G-E-O-F-F Lambert 77. Jeff, how are you doing tonight, man? Thanks for coming on. I'm great, guys. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, definitely excited to get the get this show started, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. No, and uh, like what you guys have been doing at Going For Two is awesome. Like there is always a stream. Like I, subs- I, I, I subscribe. I suggest everybody go and subscribe because there's just always a stream. It seems like uh, going on whenever whenever you need one uh, at Going For Two. So at, and it's at Going For Two, like F-O-R two live on Twitter, Going For Two live on Twitter. Uh, and yeah, it's just, you know, Periscope, uh, Periscope, YouTube, Twitch, like wherever there just seems to always be a going for two stream going on. So you guys are just uh, just crushing it over there. And I like that Trav used the word OG because I do think of you as an, an OG in almost every sense of the word for sure. Uh, also kind of a 49ers OG uh, in my opinion. So that is what I want to do tonight at some point is talk about because I've been proclaiming that there are multiple league winners in this offense, at least league winning candidates. Uh on this San Fran team. So I wouldn't mind talking to you about that. The man with the plan for San Fran. Uh, And we're also planning to identify some breakout tight ends, maybe a bounce back or two with the position. And we'll talk some Scott Fishbowl as well, because player values always seem to emerge at this time of the year through that tournament. And we are all pretty close to on the clock. So maybe we'll make some live picks. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but super quickly, guys, I wouldn't mind touching on a piece of news that's been floating around over the last couple of days, circling around a player that I have been asked about multiple times in the last 48 hours now. And the 49ers could actually enter this conversation, I think. Um, the news is, is everybody sitting down? Inkeel Harry requested a trade. Uh, the former first round wide receiver, I think the only first round wide receiver in the Belichick era, uh, wants out. So, I want to know what you guys think is going to happen here. Could he go to the Texans with that Casario connection? Maybe I heard he wants to go back to Arizona where he played uh, his college ball, or I'd like to call it uh, where he kept Brendan Ayuk a best kept secret. And uh, (laughs) speaking of the 49ers, like I think he could end up with them as like a Kendrick Bourne replacement Um, or maybe big bell just parks uh, big, big bill just, you know, puts him on the bench all season long. Like he, uh, he almost did to uh, Wes Welker once upon a time. Uh, so what do you, what do you think, Jeff? Do you think in Keel Harry, like what do you think he has to offer if he goes to a new location? I, first of all, I think you have to have at least 50 career receptions in order to cre- request a trade, you know, through <laughs> the media, um, you know, cause, you know, I know he's a first round receiver, but he hasn't done a whole lot of anything. So um, you know, this this time of year, everything is news. 
But uh, Nikhil Harry, I think I was high on him. Um, if anybody watched my DFS show uh, two years ago, even a little bit last year, uh, I was pumping Nikhil Harry. I kept thinking he was going to break out. You know, my first eight weeks, I'm like, okay, this is the Nikhil Harry week. This is the week that it happens. And it just kept not happening. Uh, but when you go back and you watch some of the film, you know why it's not happening. He, we knew in college he wasn't a great separator. That's transitioned into the NFL. If you can separate in college, you definitely can't separate in the NFL. Uh, you know, he had that big body that we thought he'd you know be useful, especially with Cam Newton and the, the receivers he's had in the past. That hasn't transpired either. Uh, he's fell in a favor with, you know, with the fans in New England. And, you know, I do think a change of scenery could help his career, but I don't think it's going to help us as fantasy people. I think maybe he goes somewhere and he's a role player for, for a while. Maybe he has a couple good games here and there, but I don't see his fantasy value uh, amounting to much to anything. We haven't, you know, you don't really see the, the first round bust after two years, get traded to another team and then all of a sudden break out. Because if he's going to break out, he'll do it with the team that drafted him, that put the draft capital on him. If he can't even do that, I don't see a scenario where he's going to go anywhere uh, to be relevant for us in fantasy other than just the hopes of, you know, stashing him on your bench and hoping that he does something. But uh, I don't see too much for him in his future. No, I agree. I like maybe hurts a possession tight end or something. Mm-hmm. Uh when he goes to a new team or a possession wide receiver or a tight end or something, but it, it's definitely surprising how much he's in the news, even if he was to be traded. Uh, maybe the compensation might sober us all up. Like I don't expect him going for much more than uh, like, you don't even have to look too far. Like Philly Dorsett was a former first rounder. They traded their QB three at the time for set. I'm not suggesting there's a Jimmy Garoppolo for Ankyl Harry deal here or anything, but uh, <laughs> like I, I'm more saying that I would expect like Corey Coleman compensation uh, closer to something like a sixth or a seventh round pick. And that mm-hmm. might sober everybody up at that time. Uh, wh- what do you think, Trav? Do you have any locations you'd like to see him in? Hmm, I don't know, man. I just kind of like Jeff said, I, I haven't seen enough to know where I would like to see him, you know, and I think some of that comes from the fact that he hasn't necessarily a in his rookie year. He didn't get much of a chance last year. Obviously he got kind of shit quarterback play from Cam Newton. So I think it would be interesting, but I think that's the key is that if he's going to go somewhere and produce at all, he's going to have to go somewhere where there's an elite quarterback and a clear path to work. And I don't think there's many of those spots where both of those coincide. So um, off the top of my head, I can't really think of anywhere that I'm, I'm thrilled about, but obviously like in college, he, he did some good work after the catch. And so you would think that a San Francisco mm-hmm. offense would be kind of nice for him to go to because they could utilize that type of player. But I just don't think there's room for him. They're, they're already kind of a low pass volume team. Um, they're going to funnel to those three guys, Ayuk, Debo and, uh, and George Kittle, obviously. So I just don't see it happening in San Fran. So, um, unless he goes somewhere with a really, really elite quarterback. Like if he went to say green Bay and Aaron Rodgers came back, I might toss out a third round pick for him, but that's kind of ESP that, would demand a trade. If that happened. <laughs> yeah. So would MBS, <laughs> the acronym boys are the fuck out is what they would be saying. <laughs> you know, blue um, check marks on Twitter though. Similar yeah. complex there. Like you should need a certain amount of NFL production before you actually get a blue check mark on Twitter. Agreed. You know? At yeah. least second round draft capital. If you're a rookie. For sure. I agree with that for sure. But I mean, then we got our buddy, Matt Marchese from Sportsnet, who's just killing it out there Threw the application in at like 2000 followers and he got it. So you never know. Yeah. Yeah. He (laughs) threw it in ASB had to throw it in. Uh, 
So I want to throw our hats in the ring for the 49ers here as I move on. Uh, but I did want to say, Trav, that was a great point about the yards after the catch. Like, I think that's what's not translated like we hoped it would have with Harry is that yards after the catch, that elusiveness. Because I was even saying this guy had return ability, return upside, uh, which, you know, I was wrong. Uh, but yeah, the 49ers definitely would probably be the best fit. And I'm pumped to talk some 49ers. It was the first thing that came to mind, Trav, when you said we were lucky enough to have Jeff on the program tonight. Uh, because you know, he, there's nobody I'd rather put some of my takes to the test to, uh, being a 49ers fan, having a really good feel for this squad. And I'm just going to dive right in. I want to start at the quarterback position. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo has been an absolute roller coaster in his entire 49ers tenure now. And I think Shanahan made it pretty clear that they can't count on him returning to that level of play from 2019. They can't count on him staying healthy. And I don't think they consider him an upper echelon quarterback in this league and that's all best exemplified by you know lynch and shanahan spending a significant amount of capital to trade up for trey lance and this kid has all the physical tools sir lancelot is from a small school though and he does come with a small sample size so what are your thoughts on trey lance jeff from a fantasy lens and how long do you think brendan Ayuk, george kittle owners have to wait before it's trey lance throwing them passes so I've been of the mindset and been saying this, that whoever drafted even before the draft and we knew it was Trey Lance, that Garoppolo would not be the week one starter. With that said, I thought he would also be traded and that hasn't happened yet. Uh, his contract is a ridiculous contract. Uh, even if they're like considering starting Trey Lance, they should have traded that contract away because I think he's making like $28 million this year. Uh, with a $1 million dead cap, which is like almost <laughs> nothing. They could have just cut him and, and saved $27 million. So the fact that he's still on the roster surprises me just in that sense. Um, and then the fact that they came out and said that Trey Lance could start week one after saying that he wouldn't start week one. So they're kind of sneaking that in already. Uh, and then the mindset of Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, one, they traded up to get a rookie. So you know your your time is sort of limited already because they're going to you know eventually replace you. Then uh, Shanahan came out and said that they were making a play for Matthew Stafford in the trade, and they were upset that they didn't get Matthew Stafford. Like, if you're Jimmy Garoppolo, why do you even want to be here anymore? Like, you shouldn't <laughs> be traded. I mean, you should have gone the Nikhil Harry route and asked to be traded somewhere else. Um, you know, Super Bowl quarterback has got to have some kind of value somewhere. But, yeah, so I, I still think Trey Lance starts week one. I don't think there's any way that the 49ers can justify – starting Garoppolo unless they want him to go out there and fail and then they can replace him and, and, and sort of appease the fans. Maybe I'm not really sure how they're going to swing that. Uh, you know, ideally I think Trey Lance comes out in the, in the preseason and really does well and not plays Jimmy Garoppolo. Then they have a sort of, okay, we're going to start Trey Lance over Jimmy Garoppolo and we're going to bench the $28 million quarterback and put the rookie in. Uh, I still don't understand that contract. I really don't. I mean, maybe they still do cut him. I think if they do cut him, that's pretty, uh, doing them pretty dirty because there's really nowhere else where he can go right yeah, now. Yeah, this late. Yeah, this late in the, in the season and the offseason, it's pretty pretty crappy. But, yeah, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, I just I don't, I, he hasn't said much of anything, you know, other than saying that he supports them drafting Trey Lance. But what's he really going to say at this point? He can't really say, you, you know, he can't go the Aaron Rodgers route because he doesn't have that clout. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think that Trey Lance will be the week one starter in some form or fashion. They're, they'll get him in there. 
and somehow justify this this huge contract they're paying Jimmy Garoppolo as the most expensive backup quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the former uh, the former nickname for Chase Daniel once upon a time, but <laughs> I think Chase Daniel as the most expensive backup was only like eight million. So right. Jimmy Jimmy G takes that cake and uh, you know kind of goes along with him being so damn handsome, right? But I <laughs> I would agree with you though that 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 I think they they need to at least start him week one because he just offers a whole lot more for their offense to be able to expand off of that short target after the catch offense. We've talked about it a little bit. And if, if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to start the season for whatever reason, then I think that week six by would be kind of the target for Trey Lance getting ready. And I do wonder if maybe kind of on the flip side of what you said about him performing bad, um, what if they wanted him to perform well, come in and like get them to four and one before that buy, and then maybe, ship his ass out after that if they could recoup a little bit more value i think that would be kind of wild for them to do uh but i think if, if they can see trey lance being ready or and even if they don't ship him out i think those first five games could potentially recoup some value in the off season after 2021 so uh really good points there jeff on uh on trey lance um I, i'm super excited to see him get inserted so hopefully it's sooner rather than later i know you're feeling the same hey ty Absolutely. You know, the strength schedule, I think, really leans towards them being able to start him right out of the gate. And I like what Jeff said, um, because i I, am kind of been on the bandwagon of him starting sooner rather than later, right? Because he adds so many elements to this offense, whether it's the RPO action or the vertical element to the to the passing game that we've been uh, just kind of craving. And it was so non-existent last year. And it's three straight seasons now that a San Francisco 49ers quarterback had over 200 attempts but averaged under 6.8 air yards per attempt. And over the last three years, only a handful of other quarterbacks in all of football have posted seasons under 6.8 air yards per attempt on over 200 passes. And basically I'm saying, in other words, the 49ers have been one of the most boring, least fantasy conducive quarterback positions over the last three years now. So I think a lot of that is about to change. Um, and it kind of gets me to uh, a weird question here, if you don't mind, Jeff, because Thinking about projections and stuff, a topic that I hold your opinion in the highest regard for, to be honest, uh, how do you approach a team like the 49ers? Or like, do you predict how many games a quarterback will start and project the offense that way? Do you project the offense for a full season with both quarterbacks and prorate it? H how do you deal with a team like the 49ers? It's tough because it's not only the quarterback position. I mean, it's it's every position on this team. You know what I mean? Because the even the receivers, is it is it a, is it Ayuk? Is it Debo? They're kind of in the same mold, you know, then you go to the running backs and, you know, you got most dirt, you drafted Trey Sermon, uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. Is still there on the team. I know he's injured, but he's still there. He's going to, you know, contribute. Uh, the only position you really can project and be hundred percent accurate on is the Kittle position. Cause we know he's not coming out the field if he's healthy. Uh, even when he's hurt, he's not coming out the field unless he's really, really hurt. <laughs> so that's the only position you really can project with some kind of, uh, you know, some, some uh, assurance that they're going to be there for the whole time. So, I usually kind of hedge my bets a little bit uh, and put a little bit of my own fandom. If I'm drafting, you know, protecting my own team and assume that what I think is going to happen is Trey Lance is going to play more games than Jimmy Garoppolo and based my projections on that, maybe even like a, a, a 12 game to, you know, I guess it's seven games now, 12 game to seven game projection <laughs> um, and sort of hedge my bets a little bit. But uh, I, I still think that somehow, some way, they're going to get Trey Lance in there. So I, I think there would be like a ceiling projection of him playing all 17 games and, and kind of 
scale it back a little bit from there and to get an overall projection for him and kind of hedge my best. I mean, I drafted him as my quarterback too in Scott Fishbowl. So I'm not the mindset that he's going to be starting week one. I sure hope so because mm-hmm. I need him. Um, but yeah, and I definitely I, think that's the, how, you, how you have to do it. I thought you stole him in the Scott Fishbowl. I think you got him as like quarterback 22 or 23. I was looking uh, yep. outrageously unfair, if you ask me. Uh, <laughs> he went much earlier in my draft, and that late season strength of schedule makes him all the more attractive in a format like the Scott Fishbowl. Um, you mentioned that backfield in the Bay Area there. You know, it, it was a pretty busy offseason. You mentioned a couple of Jeff with a J going down for injury, uh, going down with injury. <laughs> they finally let. Uh, Tevin Coleman go, who's now running his extortion uh, gambit in uh, New York. in New York under Salah and Minnie Lafleur. There, it's pretty rough. What? A, yeah, extortion racket gambit might have been a little, yeah, but it's a racket. I he's doing. I wasn't he's got, talking about no. the grammar. <laughs> um, but yeah, Jarek McKinnon also leaves some pretty juicy pass catching work behind. But I mentioned the projections because if we're both in agreement that we see a lot of Trey Lance, then we have to account for him when it comes to a percentage of the the carries in this backfield for sure. Uh, and we do have Raheem Mostert there. He's no spring chicken and he is a UDFA, but he is still there. He will be involved on early downs. They also brought in Wayne Gallman. They've drafted um, Elijah Mitchell, who was a, you know, a, a, a sleeper running back darling of the fantasy community. Uh, Hasty is also there. Kyle Juszczyk does get involved as well. So is this like a full-blown running back by committee uh, throughout the entire season? Or do you think it'll be a hot hand approach? Or do you try and identify one of these names like a Sermon or Mostert and target him in your draft as a league winner? So I had put out a tweet uh, maybe a month or so ago looking at the last, I believe, four years of the 49ers offense. And I looked at ADPs of all the running backs, you know, preseason before the season started. And the cheapest running back in the last four years, as far as ADP, has been the leading fantasy point scorer for the 49ers four years in a row. So I, I've always wow. said draft the cheap one, right? So because um, you, you don't know. You don't know. Is it going to be Trey Sermon week one? Is, is Raheem Mostert going to come out with gangbusters and, and be really good in week one? So I'm drafting Elijah Mitchell, and I've said this on my show multiple times. I would not be surprised. It's not likely, but I would not be surprised if he is the leading fancy point for the 49ers after the season is over with. Wow. He, he's a 4-4-40 guy. He's fast. He's a one-cut runner. Um, Good he's size. Uh, people think that he's a small back. He's really not. He's just very compact. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I have a question mark on is, is his catching ability. He wasn't asked to catch in college. It wasn't that he couldn't catch. He was not yeah, athletic enough to. Yeah. I yeah, agree. So and if, when he got the chance, he looked all right. Exactly. So I think if he can show any kind of catching ability out of the backfield, they can have a one-two punch and both of them be relevant because they're going to run the ball a ton. If they're if they're winning games, like I hope they are, they'll be running, you know, Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell together, mixing some Raheem Mostert. Um, but with Mo- Mostert's injury history, with Jeff Wilson yeah. being already on the pup list, missing the first six games, I think Mitchell's going to get every opportunity to, to succeed in this offense and and. You know, he's going to be that home run hitter that they wanted most to be, but with the body type that he can actually sustain some hits and not get injured. So I, I do. I love me some Mitchell. So draft Mitchell super cheap. You probably can almost get him free in some redraft leagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, stash mm-hmm. him on your bench and just hope he gets the opportunity. Yeah. Somebody's sniping you in the Scott Fishbowl now. Uh, I totally agree. And Trav, you know, I'm a big fan of doing, doing it double. If I miss out on Sermon, I want Mostert yeah. and Elijah Mitchell. If yeah. I miss out on, those two, I want Wayne Goldman and Elijah Mitchell. Like, I think uh, there's a few backfields we can attack three, four deep, and especially in best ball formats and deep dynasty leagues, 
those are definitely moves that I'm, I'm, I'm looking to make. Is there one guy out of that backfield that you're really targeting trap? I think the target for me is sermon. Like if I'm, you know, if I'm thinking that I want like some early production, cause I think with Elijah Mitchell, I think he's just going to have to work his way in or catch one of those injuries, which in this, like with most like you said, Jeff, that guy gives her 110%, a hundred percent of the time, you know? And yep. like, it's, it's just not holding up and you don't want to predict injuries. And, you know, I don't know exactly what the pattern of injuries that he has had, but I mean, this is becoming a trend for the poor guy, which sucks. Cause I love seeing him play too. But I think for me, it's got to be sermon just because he looks like the ascending asset. Whereas most it's the guy who's kind of looking to get his job taken. Um, and I love that Elijah Mitchell take because, I, and I was kind of curious how far, down the totem pole of this running back depth chart you were going to go when you said cheapest. And I love that you went all the way down that depth chart to get Elijah Mitchell because he's somebody that's been on my radar for quite a while. Um, Ray GQ was on the show and he shouted him out and I looked into him and loved him. So I'm stoked that you threw him out. And he's somebody that, yeah, somebody that at the back of a draft, if you're even in a dynasty, like you just want pieces of this offense. I might even think about picking up Jermichael Hasty and putting him on a deep roster too, just because he's a piece that if thrust into that position, Kyle Shanahan can make gold out of them. So yep, yep. very, very, uh, very good point on Elijah Mitchell there. I think Sermon would be my main target though, Ty, to answer your question. Yeah. And I, I like the investment they made in Sermon too. Like we didn't, we haven't seen Shanahan make an investment like that at the yeah. running back position yep. in San Francisco. And he, he should be right at home. I think that's another advantage of, you know, rolling out Trey Lance right away, putting these RPOs in, in place. Uh, Trey Sermon would just be right at home in an outside zone scheme with RPOs. And, uh, you know, we, we've seen like it's not outside the range of outcomes that it does go to one guy. And uh, I think the guys who are best suited to handle that role would be Trey Sermon, you know, Elijah Mitchell and Wayne Gallman. And they don't like Elijah Mitchell and Wayne Gallman are dissimilar, like size wise and stuff. They kind of remind me of each other a little bit. So I, I kind of really like those three out of the group. And Raheem mm-hmm. Mostert, I feel bad because it seems like a lot of sharp analysts are on Raheem Mostert, but he seems like the most delicate of the group. I'll Mm -hmm. put it that way. Um, So I do want to ask about the wide receivers, just because I think the upside to capture might be at that position. Like we all love George Kittle. He's probably a universal second round pick tight end too, and all that stuff. Um, And feel free to weigh in on Debo at any point here, guys who definitely can't have a lower average depth of target going forward. I think that's physically impossible. I think it's negative, right? Yeah, I think it was. Tell that to Steelers. Yeah, or like Dalvin Cook. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But uh, the guy I really want to get your take on, Jeff, is Brendan Ayuk, because there's a lot of available volume in this passing game. And in my opinion, we are about to experience a big uptick in touchdown upside and inarguably a big rise in air yards and deep targets compared to what we saw in San Francisco during Brendan Ayuk's rookie season. Uh, and it was the rookie Brendan Ayuk who actually commanded the most high leverage volume in this passing game last year, in the end zone, down the field, you name it. The problem people seem to have with him though, Jeff, is Ayuk saw a ton of this production come with no George Kittle or, and, or, uh, no Debo Samuel. So with that laid out for our listeners, what side of the fence do you land on with Brandon Ayuk heading into 2021? Is he a breakout candidate or is he going to regress? <laughs> it, it is tough. It's very tough because even if you look through the history of, uh, Mike, or, uh, Kyle Shanahan's offenses, there usually is one receiver. That's sort of the alpha, you know, the, the Julio Jones, or even going back to when he had Pierre Garçon with the with the Washington football team, there was always that one guy that got most of the targets. So if you have that mindset, you got to pick one or the other. Is it going to be Debo or is it going to be Brandon Ayuk? 
However, we've seen over the last couple of years that they they both, you know, both positions have been kind of kind of relevant. And with IU kind of coming on the scene last year, like you mentioned, without George Kittle, without Debo, um, I think this offense will be very balanced, which is why it's very tough for me to choose between Ayuk or Debo because they can both be used in the same way. That's the thing that's different between this and most receivers is usually you have the one guy that's, you know, he's a deep threat and you have the other guy who's the possession guy. These guys both are kind of the same mold. Uh, they can both take carries, you know, out of the backfield. They both can take the little screen pass. Uh, the one thing that Debo has that Ayuk doesn't have is the body size where he can actually just run people over. Um, but Ayuk has a deep speed to get that Debo doesn't have. So this kind of complements them a little bit that way. But their ADP is almost like neck and neck, side by side. So it's so hard to pick which one. You just have to basically close your eyes and pick one. Um, I think if I'm if I'm drafting today, uh, I think I'm still taking Debo Samuel. I know he's had some injuries. And Ayuk is just – he's such an enigma because you don't know what you're going to get when Bill and Debo are on the field at the same time. You know, you get a ton of targets. Anybody's going to be somewhat relevant in fantasy. Uh, I love Ayuk. I think he adds an element to this offense. But uh, give me Debo Samuel for just a little bit cheaper. I think he's going a little bit below Ayuk. Um, so I would take Debo over Ayuk. But I think both of them have fantasy relevance. And I think this offense uh, will be opened up a little bit more if, if Trey Lance does start. I think he gives a little bit more of the – the length of the field. Jimmy G doesn't have the biggest arm. I think Trey Lance has been compared to um, Josh Allen. Uh, not quite as a strong arm, but pretty strong arm. He can get it down the field. So that opens up things a little bit more as well. Uh, but for my money, I'm taking Debo for a little bit cheaper. I like that. And uh, Trey Lance, I like what you said there too, because he, you know, he profiles as a pretty good deep passer too. If I, I looked last night at, um, some of his PFF stuff for deep passing in 2019 when we last saw him play. And it wasn't really high volume compared. Like I compared him to the rest of division one. It wasn't really like high volume necessarily, um, but he was pretty efficient. He had a top 10 grade. Um, he threw like 12 touchdowns and no interceptions. Obviously he had no interceptions that, that season. So um, yeah, it was, uh, it, it's going to be really nice. And I, I'm trying to pull up Brandon. I use deep stuff right now, but it's not low. I got a well tie, So but, uh, yeah, do you? Okay. Yeah, but really quick, I think Kaylee's trolling our backgrounds here just because Jeff has such a dope background <laughs> that there's uh, Kaylee in the chat here just completely trolling our, our backgrounds here, Trav. And uh, <laughs> I don't know what's going on with my mic. She asked if it if uh, her troll job made me disappear. It might have been that, but I don't know what is going on with my camera. Yeah, I'm it not is sure completely either. broken or something. Yeah. But Trav, the reason I love it. Brendan Ayuk <laughs> is because I think he's the big winner of this offseason because of this deep passing injection that we should see. Uh, he saw only a dozen deep ball targets last season per PFF passes that travel 20 plus yards downfield. 52 players saw more deep ball targets than Ayuk in 2020. But Ayuk saw twice as many deep balls as any other 49ers last year as a rookie. Mm -hmm. He also saw 30% of the 49ers deep ball targets last year. So I think there's a lot of room for him to kind of be that alpha when it comes to the high leverage work in this offense. But I also think there's a chance for Debo to see everything he saw just three to four to five yards, you know, uh, past the line of scrimmage instead of freaking behind it. Uh, <laughs> and, and he can still be an absolutely mind-blowing player after the catch so i think uh these guys are both smash uh accepts in trades jeff is that the mm -hmm. phrase that you dislike uh yeah. <laughs> that's a smash accept if somebody's uh sending you either of those guys but uh it's, it's, i, I, it's I think what i'm trying quick, to just real quick on the smash accept thing so <laughs> on twitter 
it's not used as much. But I do a lot of stuff on Facebook, and Facebook loves that phrase. It's like everything is smash, accept, smash, accept, smash, accept. <laughs> and literally that day that I wrote that tweet, I had seen it at least six times in six different Facebook groups. I was like, you know what? I cannot stand this phrase anymore. I see it everywhere. Yeah. But just, just to kind of <laughs> add some color to that to that comment there. I think that's a rabbit hole we could go really far down with just phrases that are well overused, but maybe that's an episode for another day. <laughs> yeah. And I just want to take this moment to remind everybody to like the video and smash that subscribe button <laughs> down below. Nice, nice. Great transition. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Nice so time. Want, I like it. You want to do that, Trav? Do you want to transition into some of the, I some will of the transition. tight ends and stuff? Yeah. Sorry, I uh, you almost made me spit my water out there, Ty. <laughs> it takes um, what I'm always going for. Yeah, <laughs> before we are going to talk about a little bit of late round tight ends, and I'm really excited to get into that. But before we do, Ty, I do want to talk about fantasypoints.com. At the top of the show, I mentioned we're a part of the fantasy points media group. So, what that is is kind of a um, conglomerate for a lack of a better term of brands from around the fantasy community who have banded together to support fantasypoints.com. We are one of those and we are thrilled to be able to um, share the analysis, the content, the, the people, everything that Fantasy Points has to offer. And with our promo code 21TRUENORTH10, you can get 10% off of what I think is one of the best deals already in the industry. And uh, I got on, Ty, I just got onto uh, a Discord chat that Graham Barfield was hosting. I think it was last night or the night before. Um, got in there, started, you know, shooting the shit with Graham and all the people in the chat and stuff. And it's just really cool how accessible those guys are making themselves. And Ty, we actually had somebody who gave us a shout out because they had seen some of our YouTube content. So not only is it good to get access to the fantasy points team, but apparently last night it was good for my ego as well. Um, so I definitely, <laughs> I definitely encourage anybody who's listening to go and sign up at fantasypoints.com. And if you do send us a screenshot with using our promo code, because I want to see that and give you some love. Uh, might be a little something, something minute for you there. Um, but yeah, go over there, subscribe with 21 true North 10. Let us know and we'll see what we can't do because we would really, really appreciate that. And I think you would be able to benefit lots off of that winning edge you can get from fantasypoints.com. So very thankful to Ben and that team for uh, having us. Just to but, pick up that really quick, I actually yeah. had a, a subscription last year to Fantasy Points and I play big, you know, I'm a big DFS guy and there's some great DFS tools on there as well. I mean, they show ownership percentages and stuff like that that were really helpful for me oh, last cool. year. So um, not and just Wes for Go ahead. Sorry, just Wes and uh, Grant. Uh, sorry, Wes and Scott were both nominated as uh, DFS Writers of the Year for the FSWA yep. as well. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the DFS stuff is a big draw because people, sh you know, are always looking for DFS tools, and it, it, it's pretty unparalleled at FantasyPoints.com, especially the people who are giving you that information too. Yep, mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, guys, so we're going to dig into some of these late round upside tight ends. Um, obviously, tight end premium is becoming more prominent in our lives, in our leagues. Um, and of course, we've got the Scott Fishbowl that uh, that gives a big premium to tight ends right now. So I thought this was a very timely subject. And just as timely, Jeff, you just recently came out with an article on Fantasy Pros about some uh, late, late round tight ends who could have uh, top five upside. And I really liked what you put out there. So I kind of wanted to dig into that topic a little bit. We're going to get into the three guys that you talked about. And then I've got some rapid fire questions for you here, Jeff, as well. But the first guy that you mentioned in the article is Evan Ingram, old double E out in NYG. 
Um, he is currently the tight end 14 on uh, MFL 10s for those best ballers. And he's the tight end 16 in Fantasy Pros ECR right now, which all three of us, our rankings happen to be a part of, which is awesome as well. Um, and I really love, Jeff, that you had Ingram on there because I've been kind of a fan this year with his price dropping. We saw him going at tight end, like top five tight end prices previously. Uh, not so much this year. And I think he has like just as good of upside as anybody in that tier. Um, one of the main things that you talked about was the targets regressing for him with the, uh, with the additions, but obviously the touchdowns and the efficiency is what will get a tight end into that upper echelon. So I'm curious as to like where you see him fitting in the pecking order of a suddenly crowded passing game in New York. They got Kenny Galladay. They drafted Kadarius Tony. I still love me some Darius Slayton. I'll be honest. Sterling Shepard, the ghost of Golden Tate might still be there. And uh, obviously Saquon's going to come in and uh, command some of those targets as well. So where do you think Ingram fits in there? Because I definitely see that efficiency, but I do, I would love to see some of the volume kind of stay with that, you know? Yeah. So first of all, you said he was tight end 16 uh, on Fantasy Pros. And when I wrote my article, he was tight end 17. So I'm going to take credit for that one little bump. <laughs> yes. There <from> article. I <laughs> bumped him up a whole, a whole point, a whole spot there. Um, but yeah, the, the targets. So just to go on to the targets, first of all, there were five tight ends last year that had 100 or more targets. Four of those five tar- uh, tight ends were top five tight ends. The one that wasn't, of course, was Evan Ingram, who wasn't even in the top 12, I don't believe. Um, so the volume is definitely there for him to be a top five tight end. The issue was last year, he had no touchdowns. I think he had one receiving touchdown and one rushing touchdown. And that's what killed him. And I think if you could scale back the targets a little bit and give a little bit more efficiency with the touchdowns you know he could get 80 targets but if he can get six seven or even eight touchdowns he's immediately in that top you know six or seven tight ends uh already because i think last year only three guys had more than eight uh kelsey waller and uh i can't think of the other one may have been may have been tanyan or um uh the guy from it was tanyan okay i couldn't remember what the other one was but yeah those are the only guys that had more than eight last year so if he can get into the six, seven touchdown range, even with less targets and what should be a better offense, because you got Barkley back there now, you know, the, the play action fake is a really big thing when you got Barkley back there. So that the time position can be open up pretty good. Uh, Kenny Galladay on the outside. So they can't double team uh, in the middle of the field with Evan Ingram going down the seam. So I think overall, I think he could sort of see less volume, but see more touchdowns and his, his, his value would definitely skyrocket with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to to it too and the main thing for me is kind of what you hinted there with Kenny Galladay coming in um Evan Ingram was like their only well I guess Slayton was there but he was underperforming huge so Evan Ingram was kind of their de facto downfield target as well last year and he just needs some of that pressure taken off and I think this is the year that can happen I think a lot of that hinges on Daniel Jones of course um definitely so you know but he's been a good like downfield passer for sure so I think yeah I think with some of like it's amazing sorry to jump yeah, no, it's good, Ty. How about her? Like, I just think it's amazing that, like, you know, if he scored a couple more touchdowns, it's amazing how much higher you can score at the tight end position with yep. a couple more touchdowns. Yeah. yeah totally. And just to put it out there, like, I've been digging in end zone targets a lot on PFF in the last couple uh, couple days there. I think there's a big notation with Brennan Ayuk in that facet, too. But uh, what is absolutely amazing is I was looking at Seattle's, and they have 10 end zone touchdowns that are leaving their team over the offseason. Uh, the New York Giants had eight as a team last year. So... <laughs> That is an that is an area of the field that is very important for the tight end position. I know Evan Ingram isn't like your classic Todd Heap or whatever who's catching touchdowns in the in the end zone, but that is where a big giant bulk of tight end touchdowns come from. And the Giants just happen to be the worst team that mm-hmm. you know Cam Newton didn't play for in that facet of the game last year. 
<laughs> great pull, great pull with Todd Heat, by the way. Great pull with Todd. <laughs> I don't know he why was, that came to me. I don't know. He was <laughs> awesome back in the day, though. <laughs> I have no idea. He's just That's the awesome. biggest, baddest dude that came to my head. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And if you look at it, Kenny Galladay is really his only end zone competition as far as targets, I would say. Um, so that's that's a really good point there as well, Ty. Eight on the season for, for the entire team. Yeah, like team that's going to double easily. Yeah, easily. And uh, Evan Ingram should benefit from that. So the next guy I want to get into is another one. I love this guy coming out. I think he was my tight end two coming out. Um, he uh, he is currently – we got chirps going on in the in the chat there. Hey, Ty, I keep seeing you with a good chuckle on your face, and it must be the chat. Well, I think, so. No, I think that was real. <laughs> Brian took some guy named McCorkle. I don't know who – I thought I knew every tight end in the that's, league, but – no, that's Mac Jones's first name, isn't it? I think that's his actual oh. first. That's his, yeah, that's his real name. Yeah, McCorkle oh, Jones. Yeah, wow. Mac. Is Mac is much better. Fantastic. <laughs> I, I love that. Um, that's just like Duke Johnson's real first name is Randy. That just <laughs> blew my mind. Um, and I think T.Y. Hilton got some weird first name too. It's not even like, yeah, it's something crazy. Really, I'm gonna have to look that one up because I, I love my favorite well. is the ESB, and like it should just be EB. And uh, because like dad just made up the saint, like he just threw the saint. Oh, yeah, saint like, brown, it was, yeah. It, yeah, just made it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of a that's kind of, brown and like kind of a baller flex, though. If you just like I'm throwing I'm throwing saint in my name just because fuck it, you know, like I'm, yeah, I'm kind of game for that. like you, yeah, but there's got to be some sort of like religious <laughs> overtones there, not like maybe, religious, yeah, I think there's like some religious yeah, okay. overtones there, maybe. That's, and, fair. Uh, that's fair that's fair i think Saint hood is earned right i just looked up uh ty's real name it is eugene marquise hilton so there's literally no ty anywhere in there i don't know where it came in from. a bottle <laughs> wow that's crazy um there's got to be a backstory that we got to find that one so we'll uh we'll come back to that for any of our listeners but uh speaking of sainthood air ty the next tight end that we were going to talk about was adam troutman um, so you segued me without even knowing it. That's that's just <laughs> money right there. Um, Adam Troutman is the tight end 18 on best ball tens and the tight end 23 in fantasy pros ECR currently. Um, and yeah, like I said, I love me some Troutman. That size is huge. I think he scored 19 touchdowns in his senior season at Dayton, which is insane. Jeff, I'm curious, like you, you mentioned in your article that um, obviously Jameis Winston is the better option for Troutman. And I think we can all agree for this entire passing game too. Right. Um, but I'm curious what you think if Taysom is in there with touchdowns being his main Avenue to, uh, to fantasy relevance and that offense looking like Michael Thomas and maybe Alvin Kamara are the main red zone targets. Do you think even with Taysom Hill, uh, the rainbow trout himself could get that fantasy relevance, or do you think he's just going to be straight off our radar? If, if Taysom starts. I think he's probably off my radar if it's Taysom Hill. I, I can't imagine any scenario in which it is Taysom Hill, but they haven't came out to announce it yet, so we yeah. really don't know 100% certainty. But Jameis Winston just makes more sense. He's got the first-round pedigree. You know, we've seen him be good. Now, granted, he's also really bad when he's bad, so it's, you know, really hard to to put that on him. But, you know, I think he threw for, what, 5,000 yards two years ago. He had 30 touchdowns. He's got to be the starter. Um, and, and like I said in my article, he made Cameron Brait, you know, a tight end one. And Cameron Brait is nowhere near athletic as Adam Troutman is. You know, he, we all wanted O.J. Howard to be a thing. But Winston just locked on to Cameron Brait even when, you know, Howard yeah. was there. <laughs> and if, if Cameron Brait can be a tight end one with Jameis Winston, Adam Troutman should definitely be a tight end one with, with uh, Jameis Winston as his quarterback. Uh, I think Troutman is prime for a breakout season. Uh, I just really hope that it is Winston as the quarterback, but 
yeah, I think definitely uh, Troutman is going to be wheels up. And again, you said he was tight end, uh, what, 27? 23. 23. So he's, yeah. he's jumped up three spots since my article. So once again, I, I must have some influence. That I don't yeah, the Lambert, the Lambert bump is real, <laughs> yeah, folks. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. It, it kind of is like how many times, Trav, have you been looking at ECR and then on that side screen is one of Jeff's articles? Like actually. 100%. 100 percent. it's nice great. that's, that's good great. to hear for, for years man for years it's awesome ty what do you think about the rainbow trout i know that you liked him a little bit maybe not quite as much as me but uh like coming out Wait, I what do you think of, coming out yeah did, yeah you did oh, he was that's my right. clean he was my clear tight end too and uh right. because he has that three i think the biggest mistake people make is you know and i don't get me wrong i love my gerald everett's i love herb smith's guys i like these athletic tight ends but a player like adam troutman can do it all and that's why you yeah. see him uh you know, have the upside that he has this season because he can be on the field for 70% of the snaps for the Saints. So I think if the Saints were to add an Inkiel Harry, this would be a guy who it would affect, I think, because yeah, this true. might be another guy who comes back where it's more a prototypical tight end and he's going to, we can anticipate a lot of end zone touchdowns. But there's no doubt that the whole uh, Jason Hill thing is very important. Like <laughs> if it's Jameis, he loves himself some tight ends, right? So yeah. it's not even that I would be super worried with Taysom Hill. It's that I would be worried about the super, you know, I, it would just be a very condensed passing game and yeah. a very low volume passing game with Jameis. I don't think it's going to be like a crazy pass heavy bucks passing game or anything, but I do think he will target the tight end heavily because he always has. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I really like Troutman and he's, he's next to free. He's definitely one of my, uh, my late round tight end targets. And that's, what's great about Jeff's piece is he really identified like the three guys that I'm really chasing in that. 100%. In that yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like you're in our brains, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> it was funny because when, uh, when he's also moving me, them up. Yeah, yeah. When my editor asked me to do it, I'm like, really, really late round tight ends. Really? It's going to be exciting. And then I started digging in. And I'm like, okay, there's some guys down here that I can see definitely being in the top five potentially. So yeah. I got more exciting when I looked into it a little bit more. For sure. And I think these are the shots that we have to take on tight ends, right? Because this is how people got in early on George Kittle. George Kittle was a fifth round pick, didn't really do much as a rookie. People were taking a shot on him, not unlike Adam Troutman. Um, and he exploded for people. So, um, you know, you got to risk it for the biscuit and there's really not much risk because these guys are cheap. So, uh, I, I really like that. So the next guy we're going to move on to, um, is the last of the article. And then we're going to get into some of these rapid fire questions. Um, this guy is Gerald Everett. And uh, I was I was actually talking about him a little bit in that Discord chat for Fantasy Points with Graham Barfield yesterday. Um, and I mentioned actually that Ty always says that uh, Gerald Everett was supposed to be Sean McVay's new Jordan Reed. And I always kind of love that because it's, it's so true. And Gerald Everett has a lot of those tools. And then you look at the Seahawks offense. Like, I think this is a great little spot for him because the offense looks like a funnel with DK and Tyler Lockett. And you know, uh, there's going to be a third guy getting some work and the wide receiver depth chart isn't like stellar. They, I know they drafted, um, uh, Dwayne Eskridge. I think they dropped the, the Seahawks yeah. drafted. I get him in the one, the Browns, Anthony Schwartz, for some reason, Eskridge and, and Schwartz. I, for whatever reason, I keep getting them mixed up, but, um, I'm curious where you think Gerald Everett sits on the totem pole of targets here. Do you think he could sneak up into that third? Um, because I, I totally see what you're seeing, Jeff. Yeah, so in my piece, I kind of wrote, you know, I looked at total touchdowns for tight ends for Seattle because they've had so many come and go, you know, Will Disley's of the world that, you know, come in, they're, you know, amazing. They get hurt and they go out. Um, and over the last five years, this is the touchdowns that they had. Eight touchdowns, seven touchdowns, eight touchdowns, 15 touchdowns in 2017. That was the Jimmy Graham year. Uh, and then eight in 2016. So if we can take one tight end 
and get those touchdowns, it immediately vaults him up into that top six, five, you know, in that range there. And you, you're right. I mean, he was he was the athletic tight end that the Rams had. Tyler Higby kind of came in when he got injured, uh, and him and Goff had a, some kind of connection. But uh, Everett was the more athletic tight end. He was supposed to be the the, the move tight end in that offense. Uh, he just never came to fruition. So I think you know, uh, moving to Seattle, he's got of course Russell Wilson now, um, who is great in the red zone, as we know. I think DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett both are in the top 20-ish in in touchdown uh, or uh, end zone targets uh, on the on the year last year cuz he mm-hmm. just they throw the ball down in that area when it's time to get you know into the end zone it's Russell Wilson throwing the ball so if Everett can capitalize that one guy stay healthy that's been his problem even when he was in LA you got to stay healthy mm-hmm. but if he can stay healthy and get that chemistry with Russell Wilson I mean it, it's I think he can definitely catch eight touchdowns this year easy uh, that offense is going to be really good. Uh, they're still going to run the ball. Obviously, we know that. But I think Everett will be that red zone guy. Which we saw like Will Disley. I mean, when he was in there, mm-hmm. he only caught touchdowns, it seemed. You know, he didn't yeah. catch much in the 20s. But when he got down to the red zone area, it was all about Will Disley. So mm-hmm. Everett can well, be that guy. For this. tight ends in the end zone. Yeah. Exactly. And Jimmy Graham. And there's the same no better way. quarterback in the end zone. Exactly. In the yep. Yeah. yep. And, and Jimmy Graham the same way. I know it's 17, but Jimmy Graham stayed healthy all year. Uh, he caught 10 touchdowns that year. We thought he was washed, but he caught 10 touchdowns. So mm-hmm. um, if, if Everett can be in the, even at the six, seven, eight range, he's definitely going to be one of those top tight ends. So someone to target deep for sure. For sure, man. I like that. Ty, you bring up Disley and we've loved ourselves some Billy Diss in the past too. I'm curious if you think that Disley maybe being a little bit more versatile and being able to play in line with that running game might be kind of a hindrance to Everett because he profiles as like a, you know, 80% slot snap type of guy. I think you're not, you're definitely not going to put him on the end of the line. What do you think about that kind of dynamic between those two guys? Because like th- there's an affinity for Disley there. They've keep, been keeping trying him, even though he's been Disley's getting injured, good. right? Yeah. yeah. I think Disley's a really good tight end. What he did is surprise the hell out of all of us with the after the catch ability. We all thought he was more of a blocking tight end uh, in that mold. And we've seen, you know, I think Seattle with that offensive line, we're hearing a lot of rumors about the short passing game being uh, incorporated this year a lot more. And that would make sense with Shane Waldron coming over, who also uh, brought Gerald Everett, so to speak, like both those two guys left the Rams for the Seahawks this offseason. So I think the new offensive coordinator having a relationship with uh, Gerald Everett is going to go a long way. And you mentioned the, uh, you know, the uncertain pecking order in Seattle behind the DK and Lockett, you know, um, it could definitely be a hot hand approach, a game to game thing, but I think Gerald Everett gives something this offense doesn't really have anywhere else. And that's an athletic guy off the line. And so when you run these two tight end sets, you can leave Disley in there to chip and go out. But Diz, uh, mm-hmm. I think Everett's going to be going out pretty quickly. And what we really hope is Shane Waldron brings a little bit of that motion. So you can start him on the line, move him out to the slot. So I think there's going to be a lot of ways that Gerald Everett can be used even, uh, maybe out of the backfield a couple times here or there. Like I, I think Gerald Everett's a really awesome tight end to have at your disposal when you have a will disley especially in that system that's not running like a ton of three ti- uh, like i guess mm-hmm. they actually are in the dk locket era running a lot more three wide receiver sets but mm-hmm. uh maybe that third wide receiver is actually gerald everett sometimes yeah. out of the slot or something so yeah for sure that's my long answer about how <laughs> i'm not really sure but he's definitely a great guy to target late yeah because yeah. he has an upside in a great offense hundred percent, hundred percent. I think he's a tight end nineteen in ECR. I didn't, uh, I didn't know. Yeah, tight end twenty two actually in ECR. So just ahead of the Rainbow Trout, Adam Troutman. I like that. Um, <clears throat> so Jeff, I'm gonna fire you some rapid fire questions in just a sec. 
But I really quick want to say say a word for our sponsor, Monkey Knife Fight, as well. Uh, Monkey Knife Fight giving out those player props. We really love playing on there. It is a good platform for all skill levels. Obviously, football is not going down right now, but we've got a big UFC fight coming up this weekend between Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. And you can get in there. You can lay some some cash money down on that one with, with who's going to win. Um, I've been having a lot of fun on monkey knife fight as we approach the season, I'm going to be tossing a deposit in there so I can be hitting the weekly props. It's, it's a lot of fun. I'm not like, I'm not the hugest DFS player myself. So getting into monkey knife fight is kind of a nice little bridge towards DFS and trust me, I'll get there fellas. I will get there, but uh, <laughs> monkey knife fight is a good starting place for me. So if you go use our promo code TNFF at deposit at your first deposit, they will match you up to 50 bucks. So on your first deposit, if you drop 50 and use our promo code, you will get a cool C note uh, to go and uh, play some player props over on Monkey Knife Fight. So, um, yeah, getting into these rapid fire questions, Jeff, um, I'm just going to fire them to you. I want your answer and then maybe a sentence and then we're going to move on because I'm really excited to talk some Scott Fishbowl. We were talking about all three of us being really close to being on the clock. I'm actually on the clock, fellas. As um, I, am, so- I am too. Ditto. Awesome. This is going to be <laughs> awesome. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So for these uh, these last rapid fire tight ends, um, I want to know who is the tight end to own in Indianapolis, Jeff? Is it Doyle, Mo Ali, Cox, or maybe Kyler Granson? So we're talking just for 2021? 2021, yeah, just for this year. I, I think it's Doyle. I think Doyle's got one more year of, of being the guy. But if it's Dynasty we're talking about, give me the rookie because I think he's going to be awesome once he gets his wheels, he gets, gets his feet wet and – but for this year, I think it's Doyle. I like it. I like it. Or could it even be Zach Ertz? <laughs> it's definitely a possibility. Yeah, if you put him in there, it'd definitely be a I possibility. Think, I think they would have grabbed him with the Wentz deal. I like, think they could have so just too. got him thrown in. I think so too. I'm that's selfish because I want him out of uh, Dallas Goddard's way more. <laughs> and actually, like that sounded super like cutthroat and shrewd. But I love Zach Ertz. But I just kind of want the the Eagles' offense to take its kind of final shape for the season. And I don't think Ertz is a part of that. But um, what about Dallas, Jeff? Schultz or Jarwin? Uh, that one is tough. That one's a little bit more. Um, I think I'm going to go Jarwin on this one. I think uh, it's, it's, that's such, it's so close. It's so close. Let me just get Jarwin with the slight edge. Yeah, for sure. I think that's one that I might not want to own necessarily just for that fact, because Schultz played really, really good last year. And like, if I could start Dallas tight end, I would love to to start that guy. But you can't necessarily do that. Um, Tyler Higby or Irv Smith? This is more of an either or. Are you doing Higby for 2021 or are you going Irv in Minnesota? Well, I am the biggest Irv Smith Jr. fan. I've been pumping him up since his combine. You know, I've I, I said he was the tight end one that year, even though they had Hawkinson and Fant in that same draft class. So it's got to be Irv Smith for me because I do think that he is super athletic. He ran the most beautiful uh, gauntlet I've ever seen for a tight end. I mean, he just – it looked good. So I think, you know, hopefully Kirk Cousins goes back to his days in the Washington football team where yeah. he was looking for Jordan Reed and, and you know, he Jordan made Reed, yeah. Vernon Davis, who was like <laughs> 98 years old. He made him good too. So <laughs> – uh, if Irv Smith gets into that mold and Kirk Cousins has a connection with him, I think it's wheels up. It's Irv Smith Jr. for me. Nice. Uh, what about the old man Jared Cook or the young Grizzly Cole Komet? Uh, give me Cole Komet. I think nice. that uh, I like Cook there. I do think he does have a pretty good season filling in for um, for Hunter Henry. But uh, Cole Komet's getting all the hype on Twitter, and he, I, I, I'm going Cole Komet. For sure. Now, is just real quick, is that under the assumption that Fields plays the majority of the season, or is that even if Andy Dalton starts the year? 
Either one. Yeah, if either yeah. one starts. I think Fields, I think actually is better with Fields because he's a rookie and they look over the middle yeah. a lot more than the uh, you know, veterans. But I think either way, I think it's the open map. Yeah, Nagy better start Fields, man. He better start Fields. <laughs> um, okay, last one. Top five tight ends, Logan Thomas or Robert Tunyon. Who regresses more? Uh, Logan Thomas, because I think I think Alex Smith is the check down king. I think he also made J.D. McKissick a thing, too, which I don't think he's going to be the thing this year either. So, yeah, uh, Robert Tanyan, especially if Aaron Rodgers is back, then definitely Tanyan. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I think Logan Thomas, you know, Fitzmagic's going to be throwing those YOLO balls, and Logan, Logan Thomas isn't going to be the guy catching those. It's going to be Samuel McLaurin and hopefully my boy D- Diami Brown, because I really like yeah. that spot. Logan yeah, Thomas, like there was a stat on – there's a stat on Fitzpatrick that as far as percentage to wide receivers versus tight ends, he's the number one throwing to receivers in the history of the mm-hmm. NFL. As far as <laughs> go. So wheels up for the receivers and tight ends, not so much. Yeah. Yeah. That's back to like the, the Decker and Brandon Marshall days in New York. That was good yep. stuff. Okay, guys, let's talk a little Scott Fishbowl because the three of us are on the clock and this is exciting. And uh, Jeff, so I want you to first, why don't you uh, let the people know what your division and your draft slot is. Um, and how your draft is going so far. All right. So I am in the Wu-Tang Clan division, even though my hat is for the Metallica. I just like the hat better. But uh, I, picked, <laughs> I picked the uh, the 12 spot. I get the 12 spot every year in Scott Fishbowl. I just like having the back-to-back. And, of course, this year with the third round reversal, it was really nice. Uh, I like the way my draft is going. I went a little bit unconventional. I actually got four running backs uh, to start my draft. Uh, I did get one quarterback mix in there as well. But I have um, – uh, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, uh, Aaron Jones, and uh, J.K. Dobbins are my four running backs. Oh, my God. So I'm pretty loaded there. Uh, my QB1 was Big Ben, which, you know, he's not exciting. But if you look at scoring, he's actually really good because they're very, very efficient in that new offense, that quick pass offense. So he's super yeah. efficient, which, you know, for Scott Fishbowl is very, very important. Um, so he's my QB1. And then. Uh, I got DJ Moore as my wide receiver one. So that, that's pretty much my my first few picks there. So I'm, I'm excited because I think that DJ Moore, I think I got him in the seventh round with a steal because I do think he's going to be uh, really good there with Sam Darnold. So, yeah, I, I, I'm loving my draft so far. Nice, man. That's awesome. I'm curious, too. Like, did you did you go in with strategy? Obviously, you might have totally bucked that strategy with four running backs to start. Did you go in with one? And what like was it just the, the running back value falling that made you go that route? Or like, how did it, how did that shape up for you to kind of adjust your strategy there? So I had done some mock drafts and, you know, mock drafts are mock drafts. You can't really put a whole lot of stock in them, but I was doing some weird things, you know, going three quarterbacks to start just to see what it looks like. I did, a, I did do a four running back start to see what it looked like. Uh, I didn't love my four running back start. Now I did go three running backs with the quarterback mixed in, which was what my strategy was originally. Cause I went uh, running back, running back at the end. And then in the three Oh one, when it came back around, I went quarterback. But then I'm looking at the at the field here, and I'm like, J.K. Dobbins is still sitting there, and I'm high on J.K. Dobbins. There's just no way I can take a second-tier quarterback and pass up on a potential stud running back here. So I went ahead and took J.K. Dobbins. You know, it's a Scott Fishbowl. There's 1,900-plus teams. Uh, if you play it safe, you're not going to win. So you know what? I went four running backs. I'll have those to fill my flex positions all year long, hopefully, as long as they stay healthy. Uh, and I'll just have to deal with my quarterback too, which, like I mentioned earlier, is Trey Lance. So hopefully he starts with one, and, and I'm holding. Uh, I'm hoping to get a third quarterback at some point, and, and hopefully that, that can fill in for Trey Lance if I need to. But uh, four running backs are pretty good right now. I'm, I'm loving my team. 
That's a that's a beauty build. I think you're just so set up not to get screwed over at that position. And I think that's just I think that is one of the big keys of this tournament. I got just demolished at running back last year. And it was, I think it was my team's downfall because I had studly wide receivers, plenty Carson Wentz sucked, that's for sure. But <laughs> um plenty of plenty of um quarterbacks and and I had Travis Kelsey last year. This year I I drafted from the two myself, Jeff. And so it's totally opposite end of the draft from you. It just didn't shake out for me to have those stud running backs like that. It was like in the second or I took uh I took uh CMC at two and then I ended up taking uh, Aaron Rodgers in the second round because at 211 I just felt like that's gonna be a steal if he comes back, right? And then in the third round I took um I took Kyle Pitts at uh at three three eleven with that third round reversal that was the tricky one too that third round reversal is the reason i didn't take travis kelsey and i think ty you kind of might have noticed some of the similar something similar with your spot at the 104 do you want to talk a little bit about how your start's going well i just think you might be an outlier team when it comes to whoever took christian mccaffrey in the top five or six might be that outlier team as well like you just see that deviation between draft position when it comes to how you're team building like the people who picked at the back of the draft with that third round reversal added in are loaded at running back i've mm-hmm. really noticed that um but having said that i think getting camara and uh saquon to fall to you at the turn getting aaron jones who trav you know i'm pretty oh, high on, yeah. <laughs> and uh jk dobbins who i think in this format in particular is just a smash except when he's on the board for you um that's just i i honestly think that could be one of the better running back rooms in the entire scott fishbowl and that's what he's talking about where you have to kind of try and differentiate so uh I definitely used all that just to uh, butter people up so that my team sounds a little bit more understandable, I think. So my team is Dak, Dak Prescott, Baker Mayfield, Clyde edwards Elaire, Mike Davis, Kareem Hunt, Calvin Ridley, OBJ, Jarvis Landry, and then Kyle Pitts is my only tight end right now. So seven of my nine players here are Browns or Falcons. <laughs> so go Browns, go Falcons. And I am on the clock right now. And I could take Evan Ingram, who is very attractive because hey, I get, need a tight end too. Get into your pick selection, Ty, and then uh, and then we'll kind of go around the horn with that. So yeah, really quickly, Ingram I have. My, yeah. Sorry, Ingram is my He's, tight end yeah, one. I just drafted the only him in tight the, end right now. Yeah. So yep. so I wanted to know, Jeff, are you looking to try and add another tight end? Because you actually might have swayed this for me because you mentioned you're actually looking more at a quarterback three than a tight end two at this point of the draft. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. I think I, I was really hoping that Noah Fant fell to me. He went two picks before Ingram. So Ingram was my choice. He was the last one that I really felt comfortable taking. I know yeah. it's uncomfortable Ingram in the same sentence isn't really, you know, kosher, but <laughs> I like with him you on Ingram. That one, yeah. Yeah. So I at the at that round there, I couldn't pass him up and wait, you know, because then I gotta wait twenty four more picks to come back to me. I knew there'd be no tight end that would be worth it. So I, I took That's that right on there. the turn there. No, and I, I think he's a huge tear break for me here. So I'm having a hard time taking anybody but him but i do still have deshaun watson on the board in the 10th round as well but we talk about differentiating and he's a guy that maybe uh obviously if he was playing would be a first round pick well and he went in like this if he's playing oh did he really see and that's interesting so So i'd definitely be getting a value on him value definitely isn't as important in a format like this but uh i also have Jameis winston on the board and maybe i could get a Taysom hill with quarterbacks dropping like this uh in the next round in the 11th or 12th. So I think I might take Jameis over Evan Ingram, but 
But the thing is, Deshaun Watson really does have so much more value than Jameis Winston if he plays. Like, I think Jameis's upside is a little bit overblown, even if he plays in New Orleans, because they're going to want to limit turnovers and all yeah. that, lean on their defense and offensive line. So I'm going to kind of make this decision here. You guys do your thing, go through your draft, and then uh, come back <laughs> yeah. to me, and I'll have okay. made my pick. <laughs> You're just going to agonize for a couple minutes here? <laughs> I'm really, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. So, Jeff, what round are you in? I am in the 10th, the end of the 10th. So I'm at the 10, 10, 12, I think. Okay. Um, um, the 10, 12, do you, mind, do you mind if we do mine first? Because I'm in like the 14th or I'm in the 15th. So it's not going to be nearly as juicy as yours. Absolutely. And I'd like to end it off with a little bit of a bang, if you don't mind. Um, so my team right now in the 15th round, my quarterbacks are Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Trevor Lawrence. I got in the sixth round, which was unreal. I love that. And I did get a fourth quarterback with Taysom Hill tie. I got him in the 11th, I believe. And the reason I did that is because Kirk Cousins and Trevor Lawrence have the same bye week. And there is that inkling of possibility that Aaron Rodgers sits. So with him as my quarterback one, I just felt like I needed to insulate that bye week just in case Rodgers doesn't play. And I don't mind having a fourth quarterback because injuries can strike and I don't like getting hooped for a quarterback in that. Uh, I, in I don't that think it's a mistake. Spot. Like you want to, your team, after you take three quarterbacks in the six, you actually want to remain strong at the quarterback position. That'd be yeah. my take. Uh, just because I think like somebody like Jeff's team might be more reluctant to do that because he knows he might be a little bit less strong at the quarterback position and you don't actually want to start chasing a guy who might actually give mm -hmm. you a negative with the scoring format. You see a lot of those yeah. with Daniel Jones, Sam Darno from last year. Uh, these guys did not score a lot of points in a lot of games. In fact, they went into the negative during certain games. So yep, you can actually sure. overblow uh, your, your, your super flex in this, in this yeah. format. That's all I want to say. For sure. And then, so my running backs are, Christian McCaffrey with the 102. And then usually I do like a, a heavy running back roster, but I kind of pivoted with the quarterback value that fell there. And so Christian McCaffrey, my next running back was Javante Williams in the fifth, Daryl Henderson and Michael Carter. I think Michael Carter was in the ninth or 10th and Daryl Henderson was in like the 12th or something like that. So I don't mind that stable of four, but I do think it is a little bit top heavy wide receivers. Adam Thielen was my first wide receiver in the seventh. I was looking to pair him with Kirk Cousins. I didn't necessarily plan for him to be my wide receiver one, uh, but that's just kind of the way she shook out. Uh, next wide receiver is Brandon Ayuk, Brandon Cooks, T.Y. Hilton. And I just got Darnell Mooney in the 14th round, guys, which I felt was very, very nice value for somebody who could be the second target on the Bears with Justin Fields, who has been a great deep passer before. And then Kyle Pitts at the in the third round. And so I think I'm looking towards tight end right now as well, guys, because I only have the rookie Kyle Pitts on my roster. It really hurts because I think otherwise, otherwise I would be looking at running back just to keep building on that top heavy crew. But if I look at the the tight ends, it's kind of crazy. Zach Ertz is sitting at the top there. Yeah, uh, like do you have Troutman or Everett or no, either man. The, any of the guys we identified? Because no, I no, doubt it. None. Yeah. <laughs> None. Austin and that's a good Cooper. lesson for me and Jeff, right? Who yeah. had towards these, uh, these 100 percent. Like I'd say early teens is when you're going to be wanting to get in your tight end too. But you know, what's funny is you can throw what I just said out because the Scott fishbowl is just so wild that the different yeah, drafts are just so, so different. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, so, uh, I want you guys to kind of help me a little bit. I'm looking, I just want you to kind of tell me who you'd go out of this group. So when I look at it, I've got Austin Hooper, um yeah, eric ebron that's who you should go with I, that's who Austin. i was thinking 
Yeah. Well, you're on the Browns build, so why not, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I do think I think he was like second in Browns targets last year with OB. I think that's who I kind of lean as well, just because and like we know the Seattle offense. Harrison Bryant and Joku, like those guys are super talented, arguably more so than Hooper. But uh mm-hmm. <laughs> Hooper's gonna be out there a ton and he's gonna yeah, he's kick getting paid, off those getting paid. a ton. And uh, we know Baker's going to throw like 25 to 30% of his targets to the tight end position. Okay, sold. I'm doing it, Austin Hooper. I didn't even <laughs> want to hear anybody else, so that's kind of yeah. – I feel <laughs> bad now. Kept talking it into – Because maybe if Jarwin's on the board, I might have gone Jarwin in this format. Uh, Jarwin – Because I agree with you that Dalton Schultz could be the guy, but if it ain't, Jarwin I, – I want the I, – I think uh, I want the tight end in Dallas. Because yeah. there's going to be so many th- – there's not going to be very many two tight end sets, I'll put it that way. Oh, OJ Howard. Okay. No, I'm doing it. Austin Hooper. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. But I think Jack Doyle would be the other guy that maybe, or Mo mm-hmm. Alley Cox. Mo if, Alley uh, you're on that too. side of it. Yeah. So but those are two guys, but with, I think you can uh, probably wait. I'm going to go with hoop daddy. All right, Jeff, get us into yours, man. Let's hear All it. right. So yeah, why are you are trying to listen and, and, and That's scour? Cool. Cause the way I do my draft, I, I don't look until it's time for me to be on the clock. So I really have Damn. no idea who's there. So I'm trying to like mm-hmm. scroll through for really sure, quick. Man. Uh, and one guy that I know I like that's still on the board is uh, is Michael Pittman. And I that's think good. he is the the number one receiver in Indy. And we know that Carson Wentz likes to target that guy quite a bit. So he's definitely on my radar. Um, the other one that I have there, I just talked about my love for Irv Smith Jr. So I do, if I do decide to go tight end two, uh, he might be a choice for me as well. Uh, but one thing that I try to do uh, in the Scott Fishbowl that I learned is – I try not to draft my quote unquote backups until I have all my starters. Um, so that's one thing. I'm, Cause if, if I take Irv Smith jr, he's not going to be starting with Evan Ingram at the same time in my lineup, most likely. So that's why it steers me a little bit away from Irv Smith. Uh, the running backs are pretty much desolate. The only guy that I would even consider would probably be Michael Carter, uh, the rookie. So we don't really know what we're going to get from him. So going back to the receivers, I do think Michael Pittman, it will be my, my, uh, 10th round pick here. So I'm going to go ahead and hit that draft button for Mr. Michael Pittman. And then I'm right back on the clock, but I know if you want to go first tie, <laughs> I can come back at 1101 and hit my 1101 as well. Yeah. I'd love for you to, I'll just tell everyone I did take Deshaun Watson and it's a very similar complex to what you were just laying out. Like this is my backup quarterback, right? So why not take Deshaun Watson who, if he is in Denver, you know, I just took Denver Broncos quarterback guys. So go <laughs> me. Um, because if he, you know, if he was to go there, whether you think it's a 1% chance or a 20% chance, there's a, there's a, a very similar chance that I waste my 10th round pick in the Scott fishbowl. Right. So all yeah. that kind of is a confluence of events that told me to take Deshaun Watson. And then you guys kind of, uh, maybe talked me out of taking my tight end two here and let me take a Troutman or a, uh, you know, whoever comes back to me there in the, in the 12th or 13th there in the 11th or 12th there. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm I'm back on the clock here at pick 11. So this would be my quote-unquote 11th starter. Um, I'm looking at a couple of receivers still because I do think that they're still pretty deep. Uh, Cole Beasley is on the, on the board. Uh, Russell Gage is on the board. Curtis Samuel is on the board. I looked at overall. both those guys you just mentioned. I really like both those. And I really like Pittman, by the way, too, just the ability for that point per first down, like whatever the half point or whatever for first downs. Like he uh, – 
you know, if you want to get in on the Colts and the Scott Fishbowl and you're worried about Wentz's negativity that he could bring to your roster, uh, Michael Pittman's the way to combat that because you don't get any of the negative. You're just getting all the positive. And that guy has a lot of upside when it comes to having a monopoly on everything from the the possession receiving work to the end zone targets to uh, to the screen passes if Paris Campbell's not on the field. Yep, exactly. That is definitely uh Definitely why I took him. I do think that, you know, he looked so good last year towards the end of the season once he started getting his wheels, his feet underneath him. Man, he looked so good. I think there's one game where he just dominated. I can't remember who they, was, who they were playing against, but he just dominated. And if he can be that this year for every game, I think he'll be a steal. So I think I'm going to pick – I'm going to go receiver again here, even though I do love Earth Smith Jr. I doubt he makes it back to me. But I was talking to the going for two guys in the chat today, and they were talking about Russell Gage. And we talked about mm-hmm. his red zone targets being equal with DK Metcalf and, you know, Tyler Lockett <laughs> in that offense last year. And he wasn't even the full-time starter the whole year. So uh, Russell Gage, he's going to fill that, that wide receiver two role, which, you know, in Atlanta, they're going to be a, a passing offense. You know, they got Mike Davis there. So, you know, they're not going to run the ball a ton, I don't believe. So Russell Gage, give me Russell Gage at the eleven oh one. That's nice. That's really, yeah, really nice, man. Well, that was sweet, guys. Not very often that you hop on a pod and all three of you are on the clock in the Scott Fishbowl. So I think that uh, hopefully that was a treat for our listeners because I love personally listening to those dives into my favorite analysts when they're actually, you know, like um, when you see the live best ball drafts and they're kind of talking their picks out and stuff like that. Those are awesome. It's really fun to get a glimpse into the mind and see how they kind of do it when that clock is ticking. Um, so thank you both gentlemen for that. And I guess thank you to the Scott Fishbowl for happening to have all three of us on the clock at the same time. Yeah. Um, Scott Fish 24. Boom. Absolutely. And lastly, lastly, Jeff, I want to thank you for coming on the show tonight, man. It was, it was really great to have you. I know it's a little bit late where you're at. We are West coasters out here. Um, So I really appreciate you staying up for us, man. This has been awesome. We've been itching to get you on the pod at some point and I'm thankful we got the chance to chat with you and uh, look forward to everything you got going on at going for two. Uh, So why don't you talk a little bit about that? What's going on at going for two, Jeff, and where can the people find you? All right. Yeah. So you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Lambert 77 spelled G E O F F. Uh, I want to thank you both for having me on. It's been a lot of fun. I know, you know, it seems late here, but as everyone probably knows now, I don't sleep. I'll probably be up until <laughs> one o'clock and I get up for work at five. So I'll get a nice four hours of sleep, but uh, we do have something going on. We have a special that we're running right now. So we do um, personal league podcasts. Basically what we do is we Get your league. You send us all your league information. You know, either add me as a co-owner and I'll go in and take screenshots. I give it to my team. We rank the teams one through 12. And then we do a full one-hour podcast just on your team. We count down each team from 12 to 1, break down your roster, things that you can possibly do to improve it. Um, And right now for the Scott Fishbowl, we are giving uh, 30% off to anybody who wants to do it. It's for anybody, not just Scott Fishbowl League. However, if you do do your Scott Fishbowl League, we're going to donate half of your entry fee uh, to charity. So it's it's right normally 100 bucks. Right now you can get it for $70. Uh, five guys go on the podcast. We Like I said, we, we break down every single team. They've been well-received. Uh, so if you want to get, get cool on that idea, deal, yeah. it's uh, goingfor2.com backslash pod. I'm sorry, SFB11pod is how you want to get there. So goingfor2.com backslash SFB11pod. Uh, to get that special it's also pinned to my twitter account as well if you forget awesome. the uh, url um, but it's really cool the guys love to do them i mean we just did one last night 
uh, actually went an hour and a half instead of a full hour. It's going to be the normal hour because we got so much talking into it and arguing yeah. over players and everything. Lots else. of enemies to really make. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it's <laughs> really a lot of fun and it's a great thing to do, especially in July for your dynasty leagues. You know, you get kind of, you know, the, the lull of the di- of July. Um, you know, people aren't talking about their league as much. There's those being trades, but then you get to listen to a podcast about it. You get you excited, get you energized, start making some trades, do some things. So, uh, again, going for two.com backslash SFB 11 pod. Wicked man. I like that. That's uh that's a really cool idea and I'm sure it's been well received and it's cool. Cause you, you know, you say you're going to do an hour, but somebody gets that bonus extra half an hour because you guys are all chirping each other on the pod. That's yep. really sweet. Um, yeah. so yeah, any of our Who listeners would do that, Trav? Who would do yeah. that? Steal an extra, a little yeah. bit of time after the agreed amount. Yeah. Not us. Not us. Um, yeah, anybody who's listening, go check that out. And, um, I challenge anybody to throw down for, for Jeff and the crew to analyze all 12 teams in the league, huh? Put you guys together. Yeah. Yeah. Put you guys to work and analyze all 12. That'd be a really cool thing to see. So we'll definitely keep an eye on that and see how that's going for you guys. Cause I I might have to get in on that Scott fishbowl action to, um, get that charity donation in there too. Definitely, man. Definitely. Right on, man. So Ty, you got any parting shots for the people, my friend? I do not know. I just, I really appreciate you staying this extra time. I know we agreed on an hour, so really appreciate it, Jeff. It was too much fun. Sorry for some of my camera. Uh, it's all good, man. It's live. Just it's what happens. Angled. I don't know what happened, <laughs> but uh, yeah, at Jeff Lambert 77 with a G almost 12,000 people are following him. Make sure you find out why at going for live uh, at going for two live on Twitter. And then make sure you subscribe to going for two on YouTube, Periscope, Twitch. They're streaming everywhere all the time and i think that is a really cool idea jeff that uh that you guys have come up with awesome yeah thanks guys for having me on really appreciate it beauty all right so you can follow this podcast the true north fantasy podcast at tnff pod and shout out to our friends in the fantasy points media group go check out their content as well and use that promo code that you see there um until next week we will see you all then take it easy everybody peace